Come on, if you love Jesus, give him more of a hand. Let's praise God for all he's done in this place and in your life. Wow, no, it is seriously such an honor. Thank you so much uh, for allowing me to share here today. I just wanted to say real quick um, to some people that are watching online, uh, our lead pastors, Rob and Becca Ketterling, are also my parents. So they are watching online right now. Can we give it up for them and just say we love them and all that they do? So good. Great to have them with us, even from afar. And I know Pastor Kirk and Kaylee, our campus pastors, it's a blessing to have them leading our church. They are probably watching online too. He texted me last night, said, I'm gonna watch you online. I'm like, all right, no pressure. My boss and his boss are all watching me <laughs> online. So it's all good. But if you love Pastor Kirk and Kaylee, again, one more time, let's give it up for them. We love you guys. Thanks so much. And we are, we are starting a brand new series. It's called Philippians for You. And so we are going to be uh, camping out in Philippians for the next few weeks. And uh, we're going to be diving into Philippians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with us there. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be hanging out there for the entire uh, morning because there's this uh, set of verses in Philippians chapter 1 that is so profound. We want to take a moment and just read it together, and then we're going to dive in, kind of dig into each verse together. But Philippians 1, uh, chapters 3 through 6, it'll also be up on the screen. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is such a profound verse. And uh, what, what's great about this uh, book of the Bible, Philippians, just setting up the context a little bit, is Paul is actually writing in prison. So he's actually under house arrest right now. And he has a Roman praetorian guard literally chained to him at all times. So this is Paul. He's writing this letter to a church in Philippi. So he's writing this letter. And one commentator, as he's looking over this, says that this is an intimate diary of one of the great apostles of the Christian faith. That Paul was, maybe had somebody writing for him that he would just speak things from his heart. And as he was speaking these things, they would write it down. And, and they were giving this uh, letter or this update to the church in Philippi. He actually uses the word joy and rejoice 14 times in only 104 verses. So Paul is really joyful. He's really excited, even in the midst of a time that we would probably say, Paul, this is not the time for joy. You're in chains, literally. You have a guard with you everywhere you go, and yet joy emanates out of Paul. So if you ever have a time in your life where you need joy or you need an encouraging word, open the book of Philippians and read, read the words of Paul that are actually the words of the Holy Spirit that he is speaking for us. And we get to read 2,000 years later. So uh, uh, the first things first, I want to take a look at these first few verses. And then we're going to dive deeper into uh, verse number six. But the, the first thing that he says is that he thanks God for all of them. That's the very first thing Paul does is he says, I thank God for all of you. And I, I'm challenged in this because how many of you know there are times where we walk to God and we present to God our list of grievances, right? Or the list of things, the problems we have. And it's like 
would this be any other relationship where we walk up and it's like, hey, how you doing? You know what? Let me, let me tell you. Open up the list and start. I'm just going to say, this is all the things that happened wrong today. Like, yo, okay, that's maybe not exactly how I wanted to start this conversation. And yet, there are times where we approach God in that way. And Paul is saying, hey, I thank God first for you. And God wants to hear our problems, right? He wants to hear those things, and he's a loving Heavenly Father. So he wants us to lean into that. But what if we prayed and we started our prayers with thanks instead of asking God for something? That it was, hey, God, you know what? The, the first thing I want to do before I pray is I want to be thankful for what you've given me. I want to be thankful for what's going on. I want to be thankful for the friends in my life. And there's this cheesy, it's, it's cliche, it's a, it's a Christian cliche, but they're cliche and they're for a reason, right? It makes sense. But it's this thought that says, what if God gave you today all the things you were thankful for yesterday, right? Like for all the things that we said we were thankful for yesterday, you got today. Yo, I would not be breathing today because I did not thank God for air. I didn't thank him for the sun. I didn't thank him for, right? We get it. But if we would just take a moment and step back and say, God, I am thankful for everything that you've given me, then that would emanate what's the next part of it is he talks about joy. He says, I pray with joy as I pray for you. He's literally praying for, with joy. And I know there are times when we're praying that the opposite of joy is what we're praying with. Let me tell you, there's circumstances, there are people, hello, that when you pray, sometimes joy does not, that's not the first word that comes to mind when you're praying is, I'm just going to pray with joy for this situation or for this person. But Paul says this, he says joy. And when you think of joy, think of it as an acronym. And the acronym J-O-Y stands for Jesus, others, and yourself, right? So if you want to pray with joy, pray first to Jesus and thanking him for all that he's done. Pray for other people. Pray for the people around you and then pray for yourself. And there's this, this thought that I had when you look at that word joy, if you just focus on yourself, you're left asking why, Right? That's, I'm not very good at English and grammar, but I could figure that one out. If you're left with why, you're wondering, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why, God? Why? Maybe you don't believe in God, and you're, the, the end of your life is yourself, and you're in this place today wondering why. And if you want to pray with joy, it, it starts with Jesus. It then goes to other people, and then we go to ourselves. So he says, I pray with joy for you. That next verse, again, we're going through the first part pretty quick, and then I want to I camp out in verse number six, but it says that they were partners in the gospel. Paul says, I'm, I'm thankful that we were partners in the gospel from the beginning until now. There were no sidelines in the early church. Okay, there, there was no opportunity to opt in or opt out. You were saved and you were in. You were all in. And I don't know, this is just kind of how my mind works. I think about this, uh, you know, Paul is, is probably talking to some people and they're like, hey, John, you just got saved. Yes, I did. I just got saved. Awesome. You know, you live in East Philippi, right? Yeah, I do. We got a great house, overlooks the mountain. That's so great. You're the only person that lives there. Your house is now a church. 
And he's like, yo, I just got saved. But he's like, no, no, we need your house for a church. And this is Philip. He was saved two months ago. He's going to be the pastor of your new house church, right? That's how the early church happened. There was, no, there was no membership class. There was no leadership training. There was no, you know, submitting it to the people to review. This was, you're in, all right? You're saved. Let's go. And I love training videos, okay? I love membership classes. I help lead and teach a lot of those things, okay? So I'm not dogging that at all. But I'm saying sometimes we need to get out of the way. We need to remove some of the processes or barriers that we put in our way in order to step into what God has fulfilled in our life. If you've been saved, if you've been coming here for a few years, right, this is time to get in the game. There are, we're seeing new people come to faith every single week, and they need people to start life groups, to be on life teams, to be with them shoulder to shoulder to say, hey, we want to do life with you. So Paul says, I'm thankful that you are participating in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's kind of the setup into what we're about to dive deeper into, which is verse 6. And that verse again says, It's confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And the components of this verse that I want us to look at today is that God sets you on the journey, right? God keeps you on the journey, and God brings you to the end of your journey, we could say that life is a journey, or as the famous theologian Rascal Flatts said, that life is a highway, right? And if you're going my way, then let's ride it all night long or something like that. But that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the journey of life. We're going to be talking about this journey that we get to be on and that God is actually in the midst of our journey every step of the way. And the first things first is that God sets you on the journey. So he's the one who began the good work in you. God is the one that starts the good work in your life. And before you were born, before the world existed, God had you in mind. God loved you and cared for you and set a purpose and plan aside for your life before you were even born. Isn't that just mind-blowing, just crazy to think about that the creator of the universe, the one who created everything and whose existence is dependent on no one and nothing cares so much about you and cares so much about me that before we were born, he set aside a plan for our life. That he said, I want to begin the journey in your life. It says this in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 in the message. It says, long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He settled on us and as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. God cared about you before the world was ever formed. And that's because since God loved you first, he's the one that began the work. God is the one who loved you first. Often we say this, sometimes we say, I, I'm, I'm so excited that I found God. And although the sentiment is true, God has been rigorously and passionately pursuing you. Even in the midst of your darkest days, Jesus has been chasing you down. He's been running after you and God loves you first. And in 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. So the capacity for us to love God has always been 
God's first love of us. And that's what's so awesome. That's what's so great is because God made the first move in your life. I don't know, maybe if you are in a relationship, you're married, you're dating somebody, but you remember the moment that you had to make the first move, right? Somebody had to get out of their comfort zone and they had to make the first move. Unfortunately, it's 2019 and most of the first moves are on texting or on like DMing. Men, come on, make the first move, okay? Like let's ask, ask them out, ask them to coffee, ask them to dinner, whatever it is. But you remember, right, how many, okay, come on. It's, it's, we, can, we can be excited about that. It's, it's good. You can do that. All right. Two people are excited that they're going to get asked in person and not over text. This is great. But you think about that moment when you make the first move. You put yourself out there. It's a little, you know, you, you might get rejected, but God made the first move in your life. God was the one who stepped forward and said, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to sacrifice my son for you. I'm going to say that I love you so much that even if you choose to reject me, my offer and my invitation is still open. Because it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago. It also doesn't matter what you're going to do tomorrow or 10 years from now. Because God loves you unconditionally. He wants to be in relationship with you and that's why he set into motion the plan for Jesus to come and to die a death on the cross that he didn't deserve so that you and I could be made right with God in relationship with him. And at the end of our service today, whether you find yourself here for the first time or maybe you will come back to Christ, you'll have an opportunity to surrender your life to Christ. This is an opportunity where God is saying, I have been pursuing you, I have been loving you, I have been following after your life, and I want you to be in relationship with me. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't. Jesus needed to die on the cross for you in order to be in right relationship with God. There was nothing that you and I could do There's no amount of good things. There's no amount of working hard. There's no amount of persuasive speech or, or, uh, again, right actions that can make us right with God. But the amazing thing is that it's a free gift. It's a free gift, and all you have to do is receive it. So God is the one who sets us on this journey, and this is the aspect of salvation that's called justification, so this is justification as we are now justified by, in front of God through Jesus Christ. So we now live in justification through our faith. But God doesn't just start the work in you. He continues the work in you. God is faithful. It says that he will bring forth it to completion, but he's faithful and he'll keep you on the journey. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the, the not so fun right? The not so flashy middle. It's the middle part that a lot of us, we find the beginning to be exciting, right? We find new beginnings exciting and endings bring completion and they bring, you know, a a wholeness or or that sense of, of fulfillment. But the middle oftentimes is where we get stuck. The middle is oftentimes where we get bogged down. The middle is oftentimes not always romanticized or sung about or said because the middle is just that. It's the middle. And our lead pastor, Pastor Rob, my dad, shout out to him, he came up with this great quote. He says, Christians aren't perfect, but they are perfecting. 
right? We're not perfect once we submit our life to Christ, but we are perfecting. We are on this journey. We are going to be made more perfect every single day. Because if we're being honest, we make mistakes, right? Sorry if I'm the first to tell you that you make mistakes, but you do, and I do, and we all do. It's just a fact. We all make mistakes. Life will get difficult. Jesus says, when trials come, you're like, wait, hold up, time out, Jesus. Like, how about if trials come? Like, you could say that. That'd be really cool. Because then it's kind of a if. No, no. He says, when trials come, when you're persecuted, when hard things happen, there's going to be moments in our life and in our faith where it's going to get difficult. But I'll tell you this, with God, we will experience the highest of highs and we'll also experience some of the lowest of lows. But Jesus will be with us every step of the way. God's going to grow us and help us to become more like him. And in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is a way for us. He's saying, I want you to renew your mind. These are, the mind oftentimes can be the battleground for our life. Because if, if, you, if you don't know this, we are actually three parts. There's the flesh, the physical. There's the soul, which is our mind, our will, and emotions. And then the spirit. And Paul says that we have the spirit and the flesh and they're constantly at war with one another. And what happens is the battleground is in your soul or in your mind. That's what happens. Because the spirit of God wants you to do something. The flesh and the sinful nature wants you to do something. And the decision is ultimately made in the mind. And that's why he, Paul is writing, he says, be transformed by renewing your mind. As you fix your mind on Christ, as you fix your heart on the things that he's doing, then your mind, your will, your emotions will be in line with the spirit and you'll want to decide to do those things. You'll be leaning into what the spirit wants you to do. So wherever you're at in life, God is not finished with you. He's not. Maybe you say, well, I've not lived a great life. I've messed up a bunch and I've done a lot of bad stuff. The great news is, is that he isn't finished with you. Maybe you say, I lived a full life. I've lived a great life and I've lived it to the full and I'm getting towards the end. Well, the good news is, is that he's not finished with you yet. Maybe you say, I don't have a lot of experience. Maybe I'm young. I'm a, I'm a young person. I'm a college student and I don't have a lot of life experience. The great news is, is he's not finished with you yet. Wherever you are, God has not, he's not done. He's not finished with you. And this is the process of salvation that's called sanctification. Sanctification is where we are being made more like Christ every single day. It's that idea that we're not perfect. We're perfecting. We're being sanctified. We're letting things fall away from us. We're letting the sin, it says, that so easily entangles us. We're letting that fall away and we're being made more like Christ. Because I hate to break it to you, but we never fully arrive on this earth. 
their temptation is going to come. It's going to come no matter if you've been a Christian your entire life or you just got saved yesterday. Temptation is going to come, but it's through God's miracle working power of salvation and sanctification that we will be made more like him. So we never arrive. The journey is never over until it's over. So we're still on this journey together. But the last part is, is that as God not only keeps us on the journey, he'll help you finish the journey. He's going to help you finish the journey. And God is the originator and the sustainer, right, of our plan. We just talked about this. God is the one who sets the plan into motion, but he's also the one that's going to keep you on the path and he's going to keep you on the journey. He will also be the completer of your journey. God's going to be the one that's going to see you through to the other side. And God guarantees completion of the plan if you follow him through. God has given us literally the roadmap of life. And I, I, love, I love reading the Bible. I, I absolutely love reading the Bible. And I can't encourage you enough that reading your Bible is what's going to allow you to just connect with God in a real way. God speaks to us through his word. He's given us his word. And God, if, he gives us the roadmap. He gives us the indicator on how to live life. If you want to know how to be a good parent, it's in the Bible right? If you want to know how to handle money, it's in the Bible. How do I handle relationships when they betray me? It's in the Bible. How do I find a a godly woman or a godly man or raise a family? It's in the Bible. Everything we need, God has given to us, and he's going to complete the journey in and through us if we follow through the plans that he has. It's 100% money back guarantee. Just follow the book and you'll get there, all right? I've read the end. We win, okay? Like, we won. So just follow the plan. We're gonna, we're gonna win. We're gonna make this thing through. Sometimes we forget that the end of the Bible, right? Like we can read it and we can see to the, to the finish line. We are victorious. God's gonna complete this in us. And the great news is, is God is never going to abandon us along the way. God is never going to leave us because there might be some people in here that maybe there was somebody in your life that left you, that abandoned you. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe a close friend or a relative. Somebody in your life that abandoned you on your journey. And what happens is oftentimes we let these experiences or the sins of people and we ascribe them onto God. And we say, this happened to me in my life, therefore God is like this. And the promise is that God will never leave you, that God will never abandon you. And I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm not saying that there's not pain. I'm not saying that there's not trust that has to be rebuilt. But God is a loving heavenly father that cares about you so much that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And there's this verse, Joshua 1.9. We've heard it maybe a lot. It says that be strong and courageous, right? Don't be terrified because I'm the Lord. I'll be with you everywhere you go. And just before that, in Deuteronomy 31, Moses was commissioning Joshua to be the new leader of the Israelites. 
And that's where he says the famous line that God will never leave you and never forsake you. But there's context to this verse because it's really great for us to hear that, that God will never leave us and never forsake us. But what is the context? What is he talking about? They were actually about to face the most difficult challenge they had faced up until that point. They were about to go to the city of Jericho, which fortifications were world-renowned, and they knew that they could not do it on their own. And God says to them, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. So it doesn't matter. You might be going through the most difficult moment in your life. Jesus Christ is speaking now on behalf of this passage to say to you that he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you, that he is always with you and you can trust that he will see you through. This is the part of our salvation that will become glorification. Glorification. We will be made into the glory of God when we come to the end. God brings us from glory to glory. And in that, here are some things that happened, that happened in our life. What is unfinished will be finished. What is incomplete will be made complete. What is lacking will be made full. What is partial will be made whole. What is less than enough will be far more than enough. Some of you might be saying that you've been walking around with this, that you are not good enough. Jesus says what is less than enough will be far more than enough. It says what is broken will be fixed. What is hurt will be healed. What is weak will be made strong. What is temporary will be made permanent. I don't know what you came in here today, but the Lord wants you to know that the thing that was supposed to be your stumbling block, God says is gonna be the springboard into your next season. He says that the diagnosis is not a destiny. That he says that there's a destiny greater for you than what the diagnosis is. That what the enemy meant to kill you, God actually says, I'm gonna use that to build your life on. So I don't know where you're at in this place, but God will see you through. God will see you through. Because here's the thing, if you're not dead, you're not at the end. If you're not dead, you're not at the end. If we still got breath in our lungs, God is not done working on you and he's not done working on me. And the great news is, is that he's gonna keep on. He's gonna keep on working. He's gonna keep on doing things in your life. And the bad news is, is that he's not gonna allow us to stay where we are today if he has something better for us tomorrow. So there are things in your life that God is gonna work on and work in and change and transform because he loves you too much for you to stay the same. He loves you too much for you to stay the same. And again, I don't know where you found yourself today. Maybe you came to church for the first time or maybe it's the first time in a long time. And right now we're gonna give an opportunity for you to maybe begin the journey with Christ because this is it. This is where it all starts. God has been pursuing you and wanting you and to be in relationship with you. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place, we're gonna give people an opportunity to be made right with Jesus. And I don't know which one or where you find yourself. Maybe you'd say, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never submitted my life to him. Or maybe you would say, you know what? Honestly, I used to live for Christ or I was a lot stronger in my faith and I haven't been 
living in right relationship with God. And today is the day, now is the time, this is the moment where you can seal that in your heart, where you can say, I want to be in right relationship with Jesus Christ. So all across this place, I'm just gonna count to three. And then if you would raise up your hand so I know who I'm praying for. One, Jesus says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Two, you know it's you. The Holy Spirit is working on your heart. You are not just an upgraded version of yourself. You are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. If you're ready for something new in your life, three, raise your hand all across this place. Yes, yes, hands going up, amazing. Yep, yep, I see that. Awesome, awesome, yes, yes, yes. So great. Anybody else saying, today is the day I want to be in right relationship with God. Yes, yes. Amazing. Yep. So good. This is the greatest decision you could ever make, is being in right relationship with Jesus Christ. You can put your hands down all across this place. And we're all going to pray this prayer together because nobody prays alone. So if you would, just repeat after me and say, dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've missed the mark. Jesus, I needed you to die on the cross. I acknowledge that you are God and you are my savior. Today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In your name, I pray. Amen and amen. Can we clap for those people? There was over a dozen people that just said yes to Jesus. This is what it's all about. Come on, we celebrate with each and every one of you.